If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Today, I want to encourage you to stop and reflect how intentional have you been with surrounding yourself with rock stars, with badasses, with people that are encouraging to live your dream, people that have resources and have the ability to impact your life in a positive way? Or are you surrounded with some people that are struggling and maybe maybe are pulling you back and are creating doubt in your life? Or maybe a, a cast of characters in your life. Whoever you surround yourself, though, I think we can all agree, is going to have a ripple effect in your life. So the good news is that if you choose a group of people, a tribe of people that are high achieving, motivated, uh, happy, it's going to accelerate your success. I think we can all agree upon that. And that's the whole point of this show, is to introduce you to people who have broken through, defied the odds, made a difference in their life, and, and for you to be able to add them to, you know, having them as a mentor as part of your peer group. However, when you're ready to truly start the path to financial freedom and fulfillment in your life, then you can find out about this concept called the mastermind groups. And if you're a high achiever, then I have a mastermind group that's got some room for you. It's a community that's going to blow your mind and what it will bring to you and the impact it'll have on your life. I certainly know this because I've been doing this for eight years and there's nothing I've seen in the personal development field that's more impactful than the powerful curated mastermind group. So all you have to do is jump on a call with a team member, go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and have a conversation with one of my directors of opportunities going to explain to you what that community is all about. See if there's a fit on both sides and then watch your pathway to success become very accelerated. So go ahead, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call. Welcome to another session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. My name is Rock Thomas and I'm your host. This is going to be an absolutely thrilling, packed with energy interview. I get to interview none other than Clinton Sparks. If you don't know who he is, wow. He's an entertainer, he's an entrepreneur, he's an investor, he's an executive, he's an author, he's a marketing maven disguised as a Grammy-nominated multi-platinum DJ, producer, and songwriter. Whoa! What about that, right? He's the CEO and founder of Get Familiar Inc., a marketing strategy and consulting firm helping companies and brands connect, align, and amplify, as well as the CEO and co-founder of Get Familiar Tech, a technology company providing innovative solutions and service, specializing in service automation, data analytics, and system cloud integration. Wow. Not only that, though, is Clinton is the co-owner and co-founder of CBDO of the Esports lifestyle gaming brand Xset. There's so much to this guy. It's amazing. Clinton is a Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum record producer and publisher responsible for selling over 75 million records. He's won the BMI Songwriting Awards with his C Sparks Entertainment Inc. company, as well as a recipient of numerous ASCAP Music Awards 
and DJ Snake as part of his Get Familiar Music Publishing. Sparks has written and produced songs, hit songs, and multi-platinum record artists with artists such as, uh, get a load of this, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Rick Ross, Diddy, Pitbull, Ludacris, Big Sean, Akon, and so many more. Oh my God. Welcome and wait until you get this interview. This guy is lit up on fire. There are several points when there are just mic drop opportunities. And I maybe ask four questions and he just goes on a tear. So you want to get your pen and paper ready because he's leaving you with so many ahas and breakthroughs that are pertinent to all walks of life. So let's not wait any longer and let's get to this epic interview with none other than Clinton Sparks. Welcome to the podcast. Wow, I'm thrilled, Clinton, to have you here. Yes, I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you very much. So, you know, when it comes to celebrities and people that have really made it with successful people and worked with some of the most interesting characters on the planet, I think you rank right up there. And it would probably be silly to not talk about some of the most um, interesting conversations you've had before we get to talk about your book, yeah. just because some of us regular folk are curious as to what it's like to work with some of the people you've worked with. You're probably tired of answering those questions, but why don't we get them out of the way? Who are some of the most interesting, crazy, curious people you've met on the planet that you've had a chance to work with? Oh, I mean, everybody's unique in their own way, right? So depending the circumstance, depending what people need from you, um, they're going to they're gonna handle the situation differently. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of fascinating people from celebrities to executives uh, to fans, you know, that you have interesting conversations with. But I'm sure that when you ask that question, you're, you're wondering for a celebrity that we're all familiar with, who's somebody? Um, man, there's a lot of interesting conversations. I guess Diddy, I was Diddy's tour DJ for a while, so he's a very interesting dude. Um, sometimes I wonder... Uh, is he bipolar? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, um, and then, this, then you have on the other side, and by the way, he's awesome, you know what I mean? But he's just a workaholic and he's like trying to get the best out of everybody. So sometimes I think, and I relate a little bit because when you have so much going on, your, your brain is like a five lane highway uh, and there's just thoughts going all the time. Sometimes you forget what happened yesterday or what needs to be done here, a little bit unorganized. So I get that. But uh, you go all the way from like Diddy to someone like a pit bull who's a sweetheart. You know what I mean? As much success as he's had. I mean, there's not a time we talk at least, you know, quite frequently. And there's not a time that he doesn't respond. And it's not in his signature. He actually writes, thank you very much, Papo. I appreciate the opportunity. So he's a very grateful, thankful guy. And, and he's somebody that I've known for 20 years. And, and he's been the same then as he is now. And he's always grateful and happy and and, and uh, appreciative of any opportunity. So that's a good place to start because I'm a Tony Robbins trainer and Pitbull speaks at the Tony Robbins events now and he obviously performs and does his little talk. And a lot of his success came from, you know, driving in the car with uh, his mom and listening to Tony Robbins in the personal development field. And it's interesting that you say that because uh, I've had a chance to see him up close and personal for a while. Let's talk a little bit about um, how you got started in music and how you got the chance to get, you know, so high up in this arena of success. Sure. Uh, so I started off as a lonely, uh, broke kid in Boston. My father was an alcoholic and left us. My mother worked, you know, multiple jobs. Um, I was exposed to a lot um, at a young age. 
Um, I was exposed to homosexuality very young because my mom had like lesbians and gay men living and staying at our house. A lot of her friends were that. So from the very young age, it was normal to me. You know what I mean? So I didn't really see any problem with other people. I'm really the type of guy that's like live and let live type of guy. Like I, I love everybody as long as you're not hurting people or doing anything wrong to other people. Like I don't really care what you want to do with your life. Like you're awesome. Right. So, yeah. um, so, uh, that I was sexually abused for many years. Um, you know, I was a criminal when I was, when I was young, I used to rob cars, rob houses, stick people up, uh, you know, and that's just being a, a Boston kid trying to survive. Um, so that's kind of how I got, that was kind of the beginnings of me. So it was me just being lost and misguided and not really knowing how to figure life out. I had to figure it out on my own. Uh, so one of the things that I really loved is quite similar to what Pitbull, you said with Pitbull with Tony Robbins is I would sit in the back of the car and my mom would listen to Hall and Oates and the Commodores and Michael Jackson and all sorts of music. So she would like really put music inside me because it was always music playing. So radio was my best friend when I was a kid. I actually have a song called Everything I Know I Learned From My Radio. Uh, and I used to sit in my room and I would hear longer versions of songs on the weekend. At that time, I didn't understand what a remix was. Uh, so I'd be like, what's this version, right? So my mom's dual cassette deck, I would loop the part that just, the extended part, and I would try to like write a new song with a new melody to that part of the song. So that's when, when I look back, I realized that was me really being enamored with music and getting into music. <clears throat> so I started just trying to manipulate songs. And then as I was going up, uh, I started writing raps and then I became a dancer. And then I became super popular in my city by like winning talent shows. And then I spent, you know, because I was a criminal, um, I got my first turntables when I was like 12 and I would DJ and like the older kids would come over and I would DJ and beatbox and, and make music. And, and that's really when like the beginnings of Clinton really becoming a music guy. And then throughout high school, I was really into sports, but I would, I would always quit because music was always on my mind. So I'd always end up going back to music. Music was the most important thing all the time, more than girls, more than video games, more than sports, more than anything, music. Um, so yeah, and then that's what ended up happening. And then, you know, when you're making music, you think of it as it's, it's like an unrealistic dream that you could be famous or make a lot of money doing it. Right. It's just something you love doing. Um, of course, when you're in pop world of football, you're like, I'm going to be in the NFL one day, but the odds are really slim. Right. So I started after high school. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life because I didn't even graduate high school. Um, so I was kind of a loser because I was still sort of a criminal and I didn't know what to do really. So um, I ended up getting a job at UPS and, and, so, and then when I got this, I've always been a workaholic, you know, even when I was a criminal, like I was the best criminal. And when I had, like, <laughs> when I had jobs that like, and I did it by myself too, by the way. So I was really? very like lonely. I didn't like, Hey man, we should go rob. I was like, no, I just did it. My, I was very focused on me just being great at this. And it's, it's funny because, you know, when you say he's a criminal, you're like, Oh, that guy must've been a dick. Right. But like, I was probably like, one of the only criminals that had a heart. And I know that's an oxymoron. <laughs> like, I would, if I, would, if I was going to rob somebody's house, I wouldn't wipe them out. And here's why. Because I knew how hard my mom worked. So when she was able to afford a TV and a VCR and a video camera, I know how devastated we would be if someone came and took it all. So whenever I robbed someone's house, I would just take like the VCR, the TV, <laughs> because I didn't want them to come home and be wiped out. It's one thing if you're like, where the fuck's our VCR? You know what I mean? But when you come in and like everything's gone, you're like, fuck. 
So, and then even, and what actually made me stop, because when you're young, and this goes into psychology, this we go down a whole down road about this, but like, when you're young, you don't understand consequences the way you do when you're older, right? And you don't realize the effect you have on other people, which is why bullying runs so rampant, because they don't really know you're destroying somebody for the rest of their life, right? So like, one time I would see in the paper, uh, I actually was, I don't want to, anyway, so I, well, I seen in the paper that one of the kids that I stuck up, um, you know, when they came out of work, because they came out of like Papa Gino's or something, they were like taking the money for the day and dropping it off at the bank, and I was there waiting for them, like, hey man, right? So uh, in the paper, it said that the girl soiled their pants, and it broke my heart, because when you're young, because by the way, the gun was never loaded, but they don't know that, no. you know what I mean? So like, you know it, and you don't have the ability to realize that they don't know that. They're shitting their pants, right? So when I seen that, it broke my heart and it made me feel like, oh my God, what if that was my mother or sister? And that was my first reality with understanding consequence and like, you know what I mean? Like people being affected by your actions. Uh, so I stopped doing it then. So then I got a job at UPS. And when I worked at UPS, I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest job ever. It was like 75 grand a year, full benefits. You're working out while you're working. Like there was nothing I didn't find amazing about UPS. In my mind, I was going to be there forever. Um, and then I, 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 on my fourth year, I, you know, you work doing the conveyor belt, loading the trucks. To give you an idea of how much of a workaholic I was, people would get conveyor belts and they'd load one, two, or three trucks, right? Even veterans would load like three trucks. You got to pull stuff off and put them in the right part of the truck, in the right truck. I was so good at my job that they built an island off of the conveyor belt with six trucks that I would load six trucks and I would train new employees when they would come. <laughs> and like, so like, that's like how hard I work. Right. Um, so anyways, when I went full time, I got uh, another example of how hard I work. When I went full time, you know, unions, they obviously fight with companies where this is a 10 hour shift. And they'd be like, no, it's eight. Right. So I would go and I'd always try to beat my record every day. So every day I would deliver the packages and I'd try to beat what I did yesterday. And they hated it. Like my Yeah, you just hate that. Yeah. I remember one day I was driving by a bunch of old timers that was sitting at, at a tree eating lunch. And I beat my horn like, hey, what's up, guys? And one of them threw their sandwich at me like, take a break, you asshole. <laughs> and I didn't know. I just thought working hard was awesome, right? So anyways, um, trying to cut this short, I ended up hurting my spine. I was carrying an 85-pound package of some makeshift steps. And the stairs collapsed. I hurt my spine, had spinal surgery, and I was like, man, I'll never be able to do hard labor again, which is all I've ever done. And I didn't graduate high school. What am I going to do? So I was like, I have to make music a reality. So the, it was my only plan. Like, I got to make music become wow. something that's my career. So I was super focused, made a plan, uh, stayed committed to that plan, and I didn't have a plan B. And I just said, look, it, I'm good at music. I love doing music. I'm just going to figure out how to win. Uh, in the music business, and, and that, then I went on to become Grammy nominated, sell 75 million records, travel the world, make millions of dollars, work with the biggest stars, just being a kid in his mom's basement in Boston saying, I'm going to make it work in music. That's so cool. That's so cool. So many beautiful uh, bombs you dropped there about how people can, you know, tap into their own passion and strength and work ethic, etc. So how old were you when you had that accident? Uh... I think maybe 21 or 22. Okay. And then you just, what did you do? You're down in the basement. You're just writing music. Yeah. So I was already making music. It was, I was still doing it, but I just right. had a full-time job. Um, so like, you know, I'd be 
lo producing local rappers in Boston and, you know, creating remixes to popular songs and giving it to the local DJs on the radio. So I was still making music every day. It wasn't like I abandoned it. Uh, but it was, I looked at it more like a hobby, something I did, I made side money. Um, so when I got hurt, I was just like, I, I got to make, make this real. And then that's when I started. Once I healed from my injury, I just started driving to New York and just started getting people familiar with my name. I got on the local radio station in my, in my city, Hot 97.7, and just really focused on being the dopest dude on radio so that everybody would be like, yo. And then when artists and record labels would come to town, they'd all befriend me. And the strategy behind really scaling myself at the very beginning in 2000 was I paid attention. I'm very analytical. So I focus on what you're wearing, how you talk, your body language, what motivates you, you know, all that stuff. And I've done it since, I think the reason why I've been so intuitive to that is because of my childhood and because of like, you know, being molested and because my dad wasn't around and because seeing what my mom went through and like, I was very like, I wonder why this guy molested me. Why is my dad this? Why does my mom this? So I always ask paying my, attention. Yeah, I always ask questions. Very curious ever since I was young. And I, and I would also watch and assess and see the reaction and the emotional reaction of people to certain things. It's even what made me decide what kind of man I wanted to be. Because, you know, I would listen to women always talk about grown women, about what they loved and what they hated about men. You know what I mean? And then, like, as a kid, I would watch, like, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis as heroes on movies. And they will always, like, love their families, made sure people did the right thing and fought for what's right. So in my mind, that's what I thought a man was supposed to be. You know what I mean? So, like, I modeled myself after what the roles they played as men. You know what I mean? Uh, so that, you know, not the, not the thievery part. Um, but, um, but yeah, so just watching people and understanding, like, I remember one significant thing that happened in my life when I was like 10. I remember watching the, like the neighborhood bully. I remember him like beating up this stray dog. And I remember what an effect it had on me. And I was crying. I'm yelling, stop, stop. And like, I didn't understand why he wanted to hurt this like innocent dog that wasn't even fighting back. And I think that played a really big role in my life. And I'll tell you another huge turning point uh, where I figured out one of the keys to life is that my dad being gone um, and me wondering, me being very lonely and like being really good at sports and like being the only kid whose dad wasn't there when he hit a home run and everybody would win the game and everyone would go out to ice cream with their dads and I'd just be sitting at the park by myself and I'd ride home on my bike, a lonely kid, right? And then I'd end up getting jumped riding home on a bike. Right. So um, my mom, because I was a thief when I was 15, was sick of getting me out of police stations and stuff. So she's like, you're going to live with your dad. So she sent me to my, my alcoholic father in the suburbs, which I never lived with him before. Um, and he was an alcoholic. So and plus, I, I'm, I'm a city kid. So I moved to the suburbs with a bunch of headbangers and hicks. You know what I mean? Like at that point, I'm like a wannabe wearing Adidas track suits and listening to hip hop, you know what I mean? Like, so super culture shock. So I move out there and I live with my dad. And it was cool because I needed someone to look up to it. And I, in my mind, I built up a man who ultimately, me and my dad don't talk anymore, but ultimately I built up this man that really wasn't who he was. In my mind, I built up who I wanted him to be. Um, and, and so I'm with him for my whole high school. And there was one line he would say to me when I'd get in trouble that used to piss me off. And that line was, I didn't raise you that way. Um, and one time we finally had the big fight. And I'm like, you didn't fucking raise me, dad. Stop saying that. It pisses me off. 
right? And we ended up having the big fight when I was 18 that I was like, I'm going to be a way better father than you. And he's like, yeah, you'll grow up and you'll see life changes and da-da-da, whatever. Fuck you, fuck you. And that was it. So then I'm like, never going to talk to him again. And then like two or three years go by and I was thinking to myself, you know, how sad that my dad wasn't around. I wanted him to be in my life. And I thought to myself, what happened to my father when he was young that didn't allow him to be the father that I needed him to be? So the moment I dug deep into that and understood, like his father used to beat the shit out of him. His mother, like, you know, you know, did bad things to him. Um, he was in Vietnam. Like all these things that he went through, how could I expect him to be a sound man at 24, 25, right? So my, re my resentment then turned into empathy. And I went back to him and I, I opened up a warm, you know, opened up my arms and took him in and told him I understand what he went through and I'm sorry. And then we became best friends for 20 years. My dad was my best friend for the past 20 years. The only reason why we had a falling out recently and I'll, I'll never talk to him again. Um, by the way, is this way too long of a story? <laughs> oh, you're perfect. You're perfect, man. So, um, and like, yeah, and I, by the way, I'm holding back tears because I get super emotional over these things, right? Um, is, so we were best friends. Like I did everything for this guy. Like I got all his awards that he never got from being in Vietnam. I got them all framed. I presented it to him. Like I, I've done everything for this dude to show how much I love him and to show how much I appreciate him. And then um, the Michael Jackson documentary came out. I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen it. And, 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 I, and because I was molested for four years and I was young, I, I'm okay. It's not something that I carry around with me and it's troubling. I need therapy, like totally fine. And by the way, the reason I'm fine is because I know it's not my fault. So why would I carry around a problem that I didn't create? And it's not my fault. Uh, we could, that's a whole other path we can go down. And then mm -hmm. I, one of the things I like to say too, that maybe a, a viewer can, can hear this one line, because I think it's pretty profound, is that I think a lot of people that have trauma or issues or are dealing with something um, feel like there's this long road to recovery or there's this long journey they need to get on now. And one thing I, I want to say to people that are watching this is, it's not a long journey. It's not a long road. It's merely a decision. Mm -hmm. Once you decide that I'm going to be better, once you decide this won't affect me anymore, once you decide that this is not how I'm going to conduct myself anymore, the whole fucking world changes. Uh, but anyway, so I'll get right. into where I got this. By the way, sorry for swearing. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're um, all good. Um, so then my, back to my father. So then when I went to him and I realized that was one of the keys of life, I realized when I cared about his feelings or what he went through as much as I cared about my own, it opened up a whole new world and I carried myself that way for the rest of my life now, which I think helps in personal relationships, helps in business, helps at being a parent, it helps at anything. Because most people are trying to make you hear their point of view or upset that you don't listen to them or you don't understand where they're coming from. And if you put yourself in their shoes and can understand why they don't understand you, Maybe it's because you're not conveying it right. Maybe you're not a good communicator. Maybe if you take responsibility for everything wrong around you, guess who now has the ability to fix it or change it? You, because you took responsibility. So when me and my father came back together, we had a great relationship for 20 years. And like I was saying, the Michael Jackson documentary came out. And I've never, ever talked like to anybody else that went through what I went through. When I watched it, I don't know if you have any experience with that as a kid. But uh, when I watched it, they were saying things that really hit me because I'd never heard any guys my age 
talk about these things and you would have had to have it would have had to have happened for you to say the things that you were saying right so like and i've never been someone that broke down and cried over there so like oh i was molested it never was something that bothered me like that until i watched that documentary so then i called my dad because one of the problems i had throughout my life was my relationship with my mom because this happened on her watch from her boyfriend in our house for years and I used to, and then when you get old, when you're young, you don't know the things you, when you get older, then you look back and you're like, wait a second, I could literally whisper on the other side of my house, like, ma, can you make me a sandwich? And she'd wake up and make me one. How does she not hear this six foot, you know, 240 pound dude getting out of her bed every night? How? You know what I mean? She had to have known. You know, so that was the trouble I had with, you know, throughout my life. So I called my dad to talk about it with him. And, you know, the first night, because it was a two-part documentary, the first night he was, you know, he was comforting me and we were talking because he had some issues too. Then the second night I called him back because the second part of that documentary, the, the dudes start talking about how they don't have any feelings for their mom. I was like, holy shit, I never heard anybody say that before. I've been struggling with this too. So I called my dad and he goes, what, Clinton? And I was like, whoa, what's going on, dad? He goes, he goes, you know, I'm so fucking tired of you you know, being in between you and your mother and your sister and da 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 I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, um, you know, you and this molestation thing, like, you know, why do you got to fucking talk about it on social media, right? So I'm like, what are you talking about, Dad? I, I had no idea that mom and my sister were calling you about any of this. Like, I'm totally, I have no clue. And what ended up happening was, coincidentally, three weeks prior to that documentary, I produced a record four years earlier called I'm Good by the Mowgli's, and I produced it for an anti-bullying campaign. I never realized the success of that record. I just discovered it had over 45 million streams on Spotify. So I had posted it on my site, on my Instagram, you know, saying when I was young, I was molested, but here's how you take a negative thing into a positive. And that's all I did. I didn't call anybody out and throw no one on the bus. I was just showing how you can go through something traumatic and take something, take that and make something good out of it, for example. Right. So what happened was coincidentally that day, my mom and sister seen that post and called my dad in the middle of me having a conversation with my dad about the documentary. So it all just wow. became this mess. Right. So then I have no, I go, I have no idea what you're talking about. So he tells me, <clears throat> and I go, look dad, I, I don't know why they're so upset. I didn't say anything wrong about them. And then he goes, and then this is what he said that made us start falling apart. You know, I'm so fucking tired of this shit. If I, if I pay for it, you take a polygraph test. And I'm like, Whoa, this dude's questioning if I'm being honest about this shit that happened to me now, right? <clears throat> so, so then I'm like, and I'm thinking, I don't question you and your dad and your mom and your experience in Vietnam and da da da, this, this, and that. So then we end up, you know, hanging up on each other. And I'm like, fuck that dude, I'm never gonna talk to him again, right? And then I, I, I take a breather, I let 20 seconds pass, I go, no way, I'm not letting this happen again. So I call him and I said, look, dad, I love you. You're my best friend. I don't want to have a falling out over this. Sorry if I said anything that hurt your feelings, you know, during the, the last argument. I'm sorry that you're in the middle of this. I go, but you're my best friend and the other person that I only feel comfortable talking to about this. Blah, blah, blah. So we ended up being cool. And like, we, I, I feel like everything's okay. It feels a little like shaky, but we're back to like, a few months pass and he called me. By the way, should I end it there? Because again, I'm going way too long with this story. I'm sure you have. No, you got to finish the punchline, man. So, um, so a few months pass, and he randomly calls me one day. And he goes, hey, Clinton, you know, I got to talk to you about something. I'm like, yeah, what's up, Dad? And uh, he goes, you know, I've been doing some self-inventory. And I, uh, 
was thinking, if I can forgive X and Z, I can forgive you. Now, X was his ex-wife who cheated on him and got herpes, and Z was a guy that murdered his brother, his best friend. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm in this category? <laughs> but, but I'm self-aware enough to understand what he needs to do to feel better. So I don't, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to say, what are you talking about? I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, so I'm listening to him talk, and after like a half hour of him like unloading, uh, I totally disagreed with mostly everything he said, and I could totally explain to him the better way to view things that would be healthier for him, but it wouldn't have been a smart thing to do, right? So I just let him talk, and then at the end he goes, what do you think? And I didn't want, I didn't want, I don't want to, I'm just like, you know, Dad, if, if, if that's what you needed to say to feel better, then I respect what you have to say, and I appreciate you taking the time to call me and say these things. And I just want you to feel better so that we can have a great relationship. And then he pushed me. No, but what do you think about what I said? And I know my level of thinking is, and I don't mean this to sound pompous, but it's just right, but you've far, worked above, far above what he can. Well, I have different tools in my box than he has, right? So, um, so I'm like, well, you know, Dad, if you want me to be honest, yeah, I'll be honest. So I'm like, well, I don't understand what you're forgiving me for. Because he opened up saying, I wanted to call it, you know, I forgive you, right? And I go, I'm not, he goes, really? You don't understand? He starts getting, you know, worked up again. I'm like, relax, dad. If you, I'm willing to listen if you want to tell me why. I might not still agree, but if you care enough about me to make this call, then you care enough about me to explain better on why you feel that you, I should be forgiven. Um, so he goes, how about when you fucking said you're dead to me? Right. So on that, that call I told you we had when he said all this, I go, you know what? You guys are dead to me. By the way, that was the worst and most horrible thing I've ever said to my family ever. Right. But when I called back and we had that other conversation, I said, I didn't mean it. I go, I know it was ridiculous. I apologize. I would never feel that way. But you got to know how you made me feel. And I know what I said, how it made you feel. But what you're not recognizing what you said that made me feel the way I felt to say what I said. Right. Um, and again, that's you know what I mean? So uh, I'm trying to walk him through it. And as I'm walking him through it, he even got to a point where he almost felt like I was talking to a kid because he was like, I'll be the best patient you ever had. I go, dad, I'm not looking for a patient, I'm looking for a dad. And he goes, no, but you know, the way that you talk, you know, you're able to like walk things through. And then I'm like, well, this is great that he feels that way, but it didn't end up working out. So, you know, he got pissed off saying, how about when you said that? I go, dad, I told you I didn't mean that. I go, I don't want to go tit for tat, but how about what you said to me? You got to realize where the root of that came from. I apologize for the first and second floor. You're the foundation. You should, you should apologize for being the bad foundation now, right? And he's like, I'm not going to do that. And then we, so that was it. We hung up and we haven't talked again. It's been a year. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, because you know what happened now is, truth be told, is now all the feelings I had before we fixed things when we were 20 have now come back. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know what? You didn't even fucking deserve me in the first place to forgive you because you fucked up. I was the kid that came and fixed shit. You should, be a, you should be so appreciative for the rest of your life that I gave you a second chance that you should respect and love me. You know what I mean? But I'm not, I'm not saying if I become an asshole, I'll do really rude things, but I haven't. I was upset yeah. one day, said one rude thing. You said a million rude things. You left us. You fucking left me. You yeah. abandoned me, and now yeah. you're gonna do it again? So I look at it like, yo, this dude's abandoned me for the second time in my life. I'll never let it happen again, fuck off. You know what I mean? And this is coming from a guy who's very forgiving, very loving, very communicative, but at the same time, 
as much as you can be, you know, understanding, compromising, there also has to become a point where you have to defend happy. And I've, I've built my happiness. And if you're going to try to penetrate that and push some unhappiness in my world of happy that I built with my family, then it's my duty to defend happy now. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, that intimate story. Yeah, I, I think my time's up with that one story. <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your time's up, but we're going to go a little bit longer. I want to hear about your book, How yeah. to Win Saving uh, the Music Game, because you know, you've done that and you said a sentence there, how to turn a negative into a positive, and I can't help think, is that where Pitbull got that line? Uh, yeah. um, you know, it's funny, when I heard that line, I thought it too. Because right. <laughs> I've always been, you know, an ambassador of defending happy, right? And I've always been someone that finds resolution. I've always, like, even, like, you know, some of the biggest rap battles, beefs, like, I've, I've sat down with the guys, no one knows this behind the scenes, and I'm like, come on, guys, let's, let's sort this out. You know what I mean? A lot of times, you know, everything in life is really just a miscommunication or misunderstanding. You know, whether you're a racist, whether you're, you know, homophobic, whether it's just a regular, you know, relationship fight. You know what I mean? It's really just, it's your, the, the, the way that you, your ability to communicate and understand. And sometimes it's the inability for that person to communicate things right for you to understand it the right way, right? So what I think I've mastered over my life is being able to understand all walks of life, all psychology and different mentalities, and be able to understand what people need to feel. Because at the end of the day, it's really just people need to feel, whether they feel like they won, they were listened to, they just need to feel something, right? So you just need to understand what it is that they need to feel. And then it's then you've got the roadmap now, right? Um, it's like even in personal relationships, I say all the time, like if you keep having the same fight over and over again, you're really the idiot because you haven't, you understand the person, you understand your opponent, you understand what their triggers are, you understand what they understand, you understand how they communicate, you understand what you say that bothers them. It's like having an enemy in war, you know what weapons they have, where they're hiding and when they're going to jump out. If you still get killed, you're the idiot. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> so look, whether you're a leader of a company or an employee, whether you're, you know, in a personal relationship with your wife, you know, when you have the same fight over and over again with your wife or your husband, you already know what bothers them. Like, just don't say that shit anymore. You know, people are always like, you know, if they just listened or if they would just not do this or if they would not do it. Like I said earlier, if you just take responsibility, then you can fix it. So instead of pointing and saying they need to change, they need to listen, they need to point back at yourself and say, what can I say different? How can I listen different? And I think, one of the most important things, and I say this in my book, is don't get mad when people don't listen when you talk. Instead, learn to talk when people are listening. And that's a really fine art right there because there's a lot of times you can be like, I said it to you three times, you didn't listen. Well, you should be mindful enough to realize that wasn't the right time to tell them and wait for the right time. And I talk about all this stuff in the book. Although my book, How to Win Big in the Music Business, is, also, is a surefire way to show you how to navigate your way to winning big in the music business. The principles and values that I teach in this book are transferable to any industry, including your personal relationship. So I'm really excited about that too, because I plan on writing a bunch of books, right? The reason I call this one, How to Win Big in the Music Business is because it's what I'm most recognized for and where I've had the most success. Right. So it's the low hanging fruit. If I said, you know, how to win big in relationships, being a Grammy nominated DJ, you might be like, the fuck does he know about, you know what I mean? So yeah. if I give you this book, it's like putting baby food, baby medicine in the food. Because when yeah. you're reading this book, 
you're feeling stronger and more powerful and inspired. And everyone that reads it comes back to me and says, they've learned way more than just how to win and navigate in the music business. They learn how to network, how to pivot, how to, you know, when something's a problem, how to deal with it, communicate better. Um, so there's a lot of things in there that change. It's really a way to set up your mentality and psychology of how to win big in life. A buddy of mine, Rob Durdick, who's a host of Ridiculousness on, on, on MTV, mm-hmm. he called me for like 20 minutes and went on about like, this is not about music. This is about life. You shouldn't have called it music. And I had to tell him, I'm like, no, I'm kind of Trojan horsing my way into the game. Nice. Making people better. Because of course, if, I, if, if I'm as successful as I am and I'm telling you how to win in music, you're going to listen to me, right? So when you read this book and you read all these other things that are in here that are telling you, you know, how to be a better human being, you know what I mean? And the, and the ways to do it, you're going to listen to me now when I come out with my next book, whether it's called Thanks Dad and talking about why I am successful because my dad wasn't around and the psychology of men who didn't have a dad and why they go on to become better dads and so on and so forth. Or another book, Everything's the Same because everything is the same. And you mentioned it earlier in the beginning, like there's times I'll sit with, you know, I go to JP Morgan World Headquarters and sit in the top floor and talk to millionaires and billionaires about their companies and, you know, where the open lanes are that they're missing out on it and educate them on culture. And it's like, sometimes they'll look at me and say, aren't you a DJ? And it's like, everything's the same. It's just different lingo and different jargon. But if you can understand real estate and banking and financing and music and e-commerce and self-help, it's all the same. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, it's all got the same. People need to be, feel something. People need to understand how to become better and how to get out of their own way. Like, everything's the same, right? So, you know, that's another one. I, gotta, I, I have like four books cool. I'm already writing already. Um, and, cool. and this book is the opening to it. So, so on that vein, somebody like you who has success in this lane, um, and, and I come from a background where I help people acquire passive income vehicles because most people want to be free. They want to be able to do what they want when they want. And a lot of people are still trading time for money. What does somebody in your genre do? Do you keep on reinvesting in what you know? Do you, do you invest in real estate, the stock market? Do you buy businesses? What, what do you do? Are you, are you asking me what does Clinton Sparks do? Or are you asking yes. what? Yes. Um, so I've been, interestingly enough, we're in a world now where everyone talks about, uh, you know, being a brand. And every, you know, before the time of funnels, before the time of all of these, you know, when I was a kid, the only person you ever heard of life was Tony Robbins, right? Like, it was like, the, he was like the one person in the world that was like doing this thing, as far as I knew, right? Yeah. Um, and... And like now you got all these gurus pumping out fake inspiration. You get all these people at podcasts and conferences and workshops and webinars. And, but like before any of that came, 20 years ago when I started, I was already a human SEO. I was already uh, a brand. And people used to laugh at me when I call myself a brand. And the reason I call myself a brand is because I became the president or the CEO of Clinton Sparks rather than being Clinton Sparks. Therefore, I could detach my emotions um, to when someone did or didn't like the Clinton Sparks brand and what I was outputting. Um, and I remember the way that I would market uh, would be like, people would laugh at me like, what are you talking about Clinton Sparks? Why are you talking about Clinton Sparks? And what I did and what I do now to this day from back then is I always made sure I had multiple streams of income um, from back then. Um, so whether it was like producing for some local artists and then doing DJ gigs and then having a regular job and then it was always different money coming in. So if one fell off, it didn't really affect me because it was money coming over here and I could just plug that hole back up in a month 
or whatever, or fill it with something that I'm more interested in now. So I've been doing that and I do that now to the point that, yeah, I mean, look, the one thing I like, the one thing that I struggle with is when people like say you and I and other people have spent 20, 25, 30 years building what we built and we give out this advice and people say, ah, oh, it's fucking easy for you to say because you've got X, Y, and Z, right? Uh, or they'll come up with whatever reason why it was easy for us or, or me in particular. I'm not really sure what your history, right? But like for me, right? And it's like, that's the biggest thing I think that a lot of kids and not even just kids, people will get stuck on is they look at you and or what you have. Um, even in my book, the last chapter, I talk about, you know, there's one thing called mastering art. It's one of my chapters, automatic resourceful thinking, right? And I do a whole chapter about that. And I, and I use a whole story about how everybody in that story mastered art to get that particular um, uh, uh, thing done that we have to get done. Um, and then I go, yeah, I know you could be reading this right now and say, of course you could do all these things. Of course you could do that because you're fucking Clint Sparks and you know everything. And then I write and I go, no, you dick. The reason I can do it is because I did everything I taught you in this book to do. And that's why I'm able to do this now. So you got to read this book and you'll be able to do it too. But I, I, you, like you heard earlier, like the shit that I've come through, and that's only touching the tip of the iceberg of the shit that I went through as a kid coming up. And I'm not right. saying that it was me. I'm saying that it's like, yo, if I can come from all of this shit, in all of these things that have nothing, no guidance, no connections, no money, no understanding, zero. I figured it out. Anybody can figure it out. And by the way, the kids nowadays, if you can't figure it out, you're a fucking jackass because everything is on the internet and there's no secrets to success anymore. People like us that you're watching right now, we didn't have that shit. Nobody, we had to go figure it out. We had to trial and error, learn it, travel, go meet somebody, have a conversation, beg for a meeting, call on a regular phone, being, being busy. Until someone, like, you know, it wasn't like, let me just look up how, what brands can I do? How do I start a business online? Ways to make money, da da da. No, it didn't exist. So by the way, if you think it's easy for us, it was fucking 10 times harder. So the fact that we're here and we're sustaining it means we're killing you right now because you could be doing it in a year better than us with everything that's provided. So when you listen, Amen. To, when you listen to people like us talk, you got to be like, oh shit, let me shut up and listen because they know how to do it and they did it the hard way. And here's another, here's another mentality. Somebody would be like, yeah, you're an old timer. You did it that way. We don't got to do it that way. We can do it easily this way. Well, guess what you didn't figure out? Personal touch, you know, communication, understanding how to network, understanding how to build relationships that's sustainable, understanding how to add value to other people. There's so many personal things that you have to learn during the course of becoming successful that those things become almost more important than the actual talent you have that's making you win. And that, that, that includes in music business. You can be the greatest singer, the best producer, the greatest DJ, but if you suck as a person, that shit doesn't matter. So like all the other things are more important than your talent. That talent, there's a million people that can sing as good as you. A million people that can DJ or produce as good as you. What's going to separate you? I'll tell you one thing, being a good person. That's one huge thing. Understanding how to communicate. Understanding how to add value to somebody when you want something from them. I've never in my entire life went and asked something of anybody until I could figure out how I created equal or greater value for them for me even asking them stuff. You know how many people I could have asked favors for in my life? I wouldn't do it until I can do something for them. And people hit me, I'm sure they hit you all the time. Yo, can you do this for me? Yo, can you listen to my music? Yo, can you do, why? Like, why should I do that? 
You know what I mean? And I'm not saying I don't want to or that I won't, but it's your, it's your goal now to give me a reason why you yeah. should be someone that I, I do something for, not just because you exist. Guess what? There's a million people that I could be spending time with my family. I could be doing something for myself. Why am I going to dedicate even two minutes of my life to you? I don't know you. You could be the biggest jerk in the world. You could be a deadbeat dad that doesn't pay his child support. I don't want to know you. You know what I mean? Like, I know nothing about you. So say something compelling that makes me that you got to, and I talk about this in my course and book too, which you know, we all know, all of us that have succeeded understand an elevator pitch, right? These kids nowadays, they don't understand how to bang, bang, bang and give you what you need. What's going to interest me? What has to add value to me and what you need from me? And it's just like, it's just so easy. And maybe it's easy to us because we went through the shit to get there. These kids like, it's one thing if you listen to a Gary Vee or a David Meltzer or you or anybody else, you listen to them say, you got to do this. That's part of it, right? Now you understand what you got to do. You got to do it. You know what I mean? And you got to live through it. It's not as easy as reading a book or going to a webinar. You have to take these things and then put them to practice and have experience and then make them your own. And then you could be hopefully bigger and better than any of us. Right. Boom, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> That was awesome, man. You have fired up. Thanks, man. I, I, you know what? I'm really passionate about helping people, and I'm really passionate about people that, like, I just want to shake them sometimes. Like, yeah, you're right? doing it the wrong way. Stop. You know what I mean? It's like, because I care. You know what I mean? Not because I think I'm right, because I know that what you're doing is wrong, and I yeah. know how to put you on the right path. And, you know, I get, I get really passionate when I have conversations. Sometimes people think I'm mad. And I'm not. Yeah. I just get yeah. fired up like a coach that wants to shoot out right. on the field right. and win. And here's the thing. A lot of these people that pump out fake inspiration, they get you pumped up to run out in the field. But what they don't do is tell you what to do when you're on the field so you get fucking tackled and break your leg. You know right. I mean? And when you're getting smashed around, how to respond and bounce back. Totally and, get and it. I, and, even if, and even if they do, it's different. It's different from knowing what it felt like to get hurt, knowing right. what it smelled like to be right. in that room. When you were a kid and you rolled down a grassy hill, you remember the smell of grass. You know right. what the dirt feels like, or the scrape feels like on the rock. And that's how you learn from experience. And the same thing with business. You have to fail. You have to have someone get mad at you. You have to have disappointed customers. You have to have employees that hate you. You have to have, you gotta learn, because if you never have those things, you won't know. But the last piece of advice I'll give, because I know you, you need to wrap up. The, the biggest piece of advice. If you can, so you can't succeed ever without making a solid plan. I listen to people say, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be successful. I'm like, great. How are you going to do it? Right? You have to make a plan. And by the way, you also have to recognize you're not going to go from A to Z. Right? So don't feel deflated and beat because you didn't accomplish that massive goal that you're aiming for. Celebrate these little wins on the way to getting to that massive goal right? Because it keeps you inspired. But when you make this goal and you make this plan, the, the most important things are you have to stay committed to that plan. You need to be focused on that plan. And if you don't plan for failure, then you didn't make a good plan. Because if you don't plan for failure, then you do not know how to deal with failure when it happens, which can make your whole shit fall apart. So you need to, you need to respect and appreciate and know that failure is going to ha it happens to all of us. We're all going to fail. So you have to add that a part of your plan. Where can people get your book? Uh, uh, they can go to clintonsparks.com, which is easier, or you go to winbiginmusic.com, winbiginmusic.com, uh, and you can follow me on all my socials, at Clinton Sparks. Okay, we're going to put all that in the show notes. 
Thank Gosh, you. I wish I booked more time. You were on fire getting just started. What a beautiful spirit you have. And what a great message you project and rich with really personal development, which I didn't really know that you were going to drop so many key nuggets for people. If you're listening to this, you need to re-listen to this, get a pen and paper out and take notes and make it part of your life. What a beautiful experience. Thank you so much for sharing your passion and your heart. We'll make sure that as many people get to hear this as possible. What a blessing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. For any young people that are watching this, uh, the one thing that um, the last piece of advice I'll give you is, and it's one of the chapters of my book, is famous doesn't make you great, but great can make you famous. So focus on the great. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.